This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We have a very special thing that we're going to do this morning. Up here to my left and your right are four men. They're going to share their wisdom and their experiences as fathers with you all. And I believe that whether you're a father or a mother or you don't have kids at all, whatever walk of life you're in, I think that these guys are really going to help you with their wisdom that they've gleaned over the years. So uh, first on, the, on your right is Warren Havens. He's my dad. So I have the privilege of interviewing my father. Pastor Stormy likes to call him Father Abraham. Then we have Joel Herrera, we have Gary Bender, and Mr. Keith Ayers. So would you guys give these, these men a hand? So Keith, first question I'm going to ask is for you. What is your greatest joy of being a father? Have to pick on me first, huh? <laughs> I think my greatest joy, I don't know if you guys, how long you've been here at church, but at one point they were selling uh, paddles. They were selling the rods. And when I got that paddle and I got to take that rod home, I thought, what a glorious, joyous day to have that paddle to take home. No, not really. Uh, I don't know if you know, I was on staff here for eight, almost nine years. And I was a children's pastor. And uh, I got to have Jake and Hannah uh, be a part of that with me. And uh, what a joy to see them not only fall in love with Jesus, but develop a relationship with Christ. And I got to see them grow as, uh, as leaders for the kingdom. And I, I even get to see that leadership uh, t- today in their lives as high school students. Uh, just a couple examples. Uh, Hannah's a leader in the, the praise and worship at, uh, at Fellowship of Christian Athletes and how they've been leaders in their school and how they've been leaders on uh, the track and the field and uh, my daughter got to run at regionals, and that was a blessing. And she ran the mile relay. She was uh, the third leg of the mile relay. And as they were getting ready to run, uh, Hannah took all the girls from the other school, and she pulled them aside, and she led them in a prayer. And, man, it blessed me to see her do that. Just awesome moment. And my son as well, he... The leadership qualities that he got from this church and from this children's ministry and from the youth pastors has been incredible. In football this year, he started, uh, and I asked him, I was like, what are you writing on your hand? And before every football game, he would write a cross, he would mark a cross on his hand. And as the season went on, the other kids began to follow because he wanted to show that he was not only a football player, but he was a follower of Christ. And he would show that, you know what, I'm not only doing this for me and for my family, I'm doing this for God's glory. And there was one game that we had, there was a little boy from, uh, or a big boy, I guess you could say, from New Deal. In that football game, he had suffered a major head and neck injury. And I remember that game, and I didn't know all the details till after the game, but Jake took his team aside, they knelt down, and Jake said, I, I, I begin to pray for that boy. And I'm just so thankful for what this church and my opportunity to, to be with my kids through the ministry and, and what this church has instilled in them and, and uh, the heart of worship that they have for the Lord is just, 
I couldn't be more proud. I could go on with stories on and on and on. But you know what? Them loving to worship the Lord is the greatest joy that I have. For some of you guys, I'm going to go on a little bit longer with this question. Some of you guys may not know me very well. Uh, I have two daughters that are here today. Ashley and Amber, would you guys stand up? I'm s- you guys didn't know I had daughters in their, uh, I'm not going to say their age, but let me just say I was a rascal. Thank you guys for coming. Um, publicly, I have to say I wasn't a role model dad to them. I wasn't a very good dad. And I'm so thankful for God's grace that he's given them to forgive me. And uh, it hadn't always been easy with us. We have faced many battles. We've been estranged from each other. There's been times when we didn't even talk to each other. And we lost, I lost my son to suicide, their brother. And it was a very difficult time. But in that time, God took that tragedy and he reconciled and he healed my relationship back with my daughters. And I've got to tell you girls, you are my joy. Because without you guys being in my life, I wouldn't be here today. And I'm so proud of you for the way that you're raising my grandkids. I've got some beautiful grandkids. I've got my grandson over here. He's in his second year of college football. My beautiful granddaughters. Thank you guys for being here. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. Gary, I want to ask you, as, as a father, what is the best thing that you can give your children? The best thing I can give to my children is the uh, testimony of my walk with God. Uh, not, not, not necessarily my oral testimony, though this is also important, but the testimony of the actions of my life in times of blessing and peace, in times of tremendous challenge, turmoil, and sin in my own life, Regardless, my walk with the Lord is who I am, and my steadfast trust is in God. My sons can observe and learn from me as I have observed and learned from my mentors. Thank you, Gary. Joel, what is your greatest joy of being a father? My greatest joy is just watching my kids grow up and accomplish many things, uh, just make good choices in life, and I'm, I'm just excited to see what they're, they're going to do here in this church, where they're going to serve at, and how they're going to grow. And I, I, just, uh, I just love this church, <clears throat> and I've learned a lot, even when I thought I was a great father already. I just kept working at it, and I've learned many things here from, from all the men here. And I've, I've just looked, and I've, I've kind of uh, picked, and choo- picked and I chose what, what I wanted for my family, what I wanted to teach my kids, 
something that, that I was lacking. I wanted to provide that for my children. And I, I want to thank all you men and women also. I mean, everybody's been a, a great help here, and I thank y'all. Dad, at this point, what is your perspective on fatherhood? Well, I, I would say that fatherhood is not for cowards. Being a godly father is, is hard work, and you can't let your guard down for even a second. Our, our kids are watching us, and they're striving to follow in our footsteps. So we need to make sure that our footsteps lead them closer to the Lord. Thank you. And I'll ask you this question, Dad. What do you want your legacy as a father to be? I want my legacy to be that um, my children would seek to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength, and that they would love the people that God puts in their path with the love that could only come from Him. And I will say in front of all these people that I so appreciate the legacy that you've left in me and in my kids as a father and now as their grandfather. Uh, it's beyond words how much you've blessed me. Thank you. Joel. Joel, I'd like to ask you the same question. What, what do you want your legacy as a father to be? <clears throat> uh, I would like my legacy to be that I was a, a godly man and I looked for the Lord for all the answers. And I just uh, had faith in him and that I was there for my family whenever they need me. Gary, at this point, what is your perspective on fatherhood? You can never, ever, ever sow too much of God into the lives of your children, which should be obvious. Children watch and learn from their parents, and I want my children to observe in my life that God is my highest and greatest priority in all circumstances, no matter what. God is first in my life. And if your children have observed that God is not first in your life, you can start right now, today, to change what your children observe and learn from you. How do we exhibit to our children that God is first in our lives, our behavior, Bible study, seeing us study the Bible? prayer life, church life, music we listen to, just trusting in God regardless of life circumstances. And this will be our last question. Keith, as a father, what is the best thing that you can give your children? I think the best thing that we can give our kids as dads, as parents. And I learned this from Pastor Stormy and from being in this church, is that your marriage has to come first. A godly marriage is a biblical foundation for raising a family. And to me, that's number one. I've had to learn that over the years, but a godly marriage is the best thing that Jamie and I can give to our kids. Two, I speak and I pray the word over my kids every single day. 
Every day before I leave the house, I, I tell them, you know what? You are blessed. You are favored by the Most High King. I speak the blood, and I pray the blood, and I pray the grace of Jesus over you. And I tell them that every single day. And I've also taught them that in everything that we do, it is for His glory. Whether it's going, whatever it is. Everything we do is for His glory. And the last thing, very important, get your kids involved in a ministry with kids their own age. And I think that those things were the top four things as a father that I could do for my kids. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give one more round of applause for all of these guys that shared their hearts with us today. And now would you please welcome up Pastor Stormy as he delivers our message this morning. All right, well, happy Father's Day to all of you. I'm going to try to add just a little bit of some of the stuff that these men shared with you. You know, even... In this service, the, the men that were up here are just so vital to, to be able to hear the different things that they've gone through and, and has happened in their lives. Many of you don't know this about uh, a lot of these guys, like Pastor Keith there, that has lost a son to suicide. Just a couple weeks ago, he said to me, my greatest joy for Father's Day is that my daughters will be here. And they're here. And then like Warren Havens to have nine children. Just incredible. And I know his background as far as with his family members. With his mother and father and the situations there through divorce. And the reason I tell you guys this is because these, these are men that have persevered. Hadn't been easy always. I get around Joel Herrera and you're talking about a surfer. I mean, he'll say to me every time he, he serves in the church, I just love to serve. And then Gary Bender, if any of you ever want to know what the Bible says, just get around him. I, I mean, this guy knows the Bible inside and out. I mean, he, what are you reading right now, Gary? There you go. <laughs> he can tell you he's always into something. But many of you don't know this about him and Dana. Uh, they, they lost the son a few years ago. To cancer. And tough, tough time, but yet they just have persevered and stayed with this thing called life. And so again, I, I love to show you men in our church who understand what it is to serve God and the definition of to serve God, you can't be a coward. That's true. And so we're going to add a little bit today. If you need a Bible, I want you to raise your hands and I'm going to go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, the ministry of fatherhood again is it's not only a commitment, it's an opportunity. And every one of us in here have fathers. We've been commissioned to train our children, to grow our children, to develop our children, their character, and to get over and to help them and to, to keep them right on the, the path of life. And so, you know, we're talking about today the, the tools of fatherhood. And a carpenter would never leave to go to work without his tools, and so... Dads, you don't understand, many times you're the, you're the level of their life. You keep them balanced. 
Sometimes you've got to be the square. That you mark them on that straight and narrow line. And so today we'll talk about some, some different tools just to help us to understand the significance of fathers. You know, this, this day has become a very um, down day to many people. Because many don't have great, great memories of fathers. And so we're going to help you try to change your perspective. And I think this is a great day. And I believe we ought to honor this. You know, I, I was reading just this morning that Father's Day didn't become Father's Day in America until the early 70s. But President Nixon, he put that into order and said, the third Sunday of June, we'll call it Father's Day. And so, I, again, I believe it's a great day. Ephesians 5, let's see what we can learn about the Word of God here. Verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. The Amplified says, copy him, follow his example. The message says, watch what God does, and then you do it. It's like in that of a parent training his children. And so again, to, to be a great father, learn to imitate God. And he doesn't just leave us right there with that thought. He begins to walk us through it in verse number 2. And he says this, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So you begin to see things there. It says he loved us. And so that's one of the definitions for us is to imitate. We're to love. And you know how God loves us? He loves us unconditionally. I don't care who you are in here today and what you've done in this life, God still loves you. You know, it's very healthy at times for you to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God loves me. And some of you would say, I couldn't do that. Well, understand this biblically. He said he loved you that much. And so I encourage you days to say, man, God loves me. The second thing he said is he offered himself for us. In other words, he paid a price for each one of us. And then it actually says he sacrificed for us. That's fatherhood right there. To love our children, to offer ourselves for our children, and to ultimately even to sacrifice for our children. And so I want to applaud every one of you that on the physical side of this thing called a dad, you provide. You provide shelter, you provide clothing, you provide food. I applaud you for getting up and going to work every day. You know, it's one of the greatest things about my life, the example of my father. I saw him get up and go to work every day without complaining. And so because of his work ethic, I begin to follow that work ethic and say, you know what, that's what we do. That's a great heritage, but that's not the end of it. There's a spiritual side of that. And we are to teach our children what it is to pray, the significance of the Word of God, to serve. And so over and over again, you'll begin to see things this morning that, that God has a desire for each one of us to imitate and to say, that's what Father God said to do. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter 4. You know what I found out in this thing called life? Is we become the model for our children. And if we don't model things for our children, they'll follow all other examples that aren't always good examples. A second area of this, and this is a statement that I saw the other day, it said, the measure of a child's success 
is directly related to his effectiveness as a godly father. Other words, dad, you're the tape measure. Sometimes the only evidence of God that your children will ever see is through you. And you become the example. That's why it's important to teach them the things of God. That's why it's important to get them to church. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Two nuggets in that. Fathers, our job is to correct them. Children, your job is to listen. And oh, when we correct and children listen, there's great harmony within the home. But when we don't, it becomes issues. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, To whom God loves, He corrects. And so don't get mad at your ch- uh, children when your parents correct you, your father. He's doing that out of a motive of love. And sometimes, Dad, you're going to have to be the hammer. You're going to have to let them know the truth in love. He goes on to say, pay attention and learn good judgment. Good judgment just doesn't happen. But when you heed the words of your father, you'll learn good judgment. Verse 2, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I too was once my father's son, and I tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me to take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. You may remember this old saying. It was the young boy who said, you know, when I was 14 years old, I thought my father was the stupidest man in the world. But when I became 21, I thought, how did he become so brilliant in the last seven years? Oftentimes, that's what happens. When you begin to grow in life, you begin to think back at some of the things your father taught you, and you realize how significant it was. Verse 4, for my father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment, and don't forget my words or turn away from them. This is incredible. So what happens in life is there's a season in your life where you're the one that's learning correction. You're learning guidance. But before you know it, the roles in life change. And you're no longer the one taking uh, uh, directions and asking for guidance. You're the one giving it. And it's a good thing. That's why enjoy the seasons you're in in your life. So as I look at this passage right here, and I read all the things that were just said there in Proverbs 4, the thought was, Who in the Bible resembled this? Who in the Bible actually did this? Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And this is one of the best examples of a godly father you can find in the whole Bible. This is talking about Abraham. Genesis 18, verse 18. I'm having problems with my Bible. This isn't my Bible, okay? I shared this in the first service. This is my wife's Bible. This says Shelley Swan on it. And my Bible, I've preached out of that Bible for 15 years. 
The problem with that Bible is Genesis had become Revelations. And Matthew had jumped into Malachi. And the pages were falling out. So for my Father's Day gift, my daughter last week said to me after the service, I need your Bible. And I said, that's not going to happen. And she said, trust me. And so it's getting a facelift. It's getting some cosmetology work. But the truth of the matter is, it was supposed to have been a back to me yesterday. But the guy who's redoing it, he found some severe uh, uh, mishaps in it. He found some severe scars in it. And he said to her, he said, there's big old blobs of this yellow stuff in it. And he said, I don't know what that is. And I said, I know what that is. It's called Gorilla Glue. <laughs> some of you say, Pastor, you did, and I did. That thing was coming apart, and I thought one day, you know what, I'm going to Gorilla Glue that thing. And so I Gorilla Glued it, and, and I didn't realize Gorilla Glue expands. <laughs> and so I, was, I thought it was so slick and proud, and so this Wednesday night I came in here, and I set it right here, and I had it wedged in, and I thought, you know what, by the time I get back at 7 o'clock, that Gorilla Glue will set up, and it'll be a brand new Bible. Well, again, it expanded. And when I came in here at 6 that evening, I looked, and it had expanded on one of our chairs. Not good. So I ran, and I found Dee Ebert, who does an incredible job of cleaning her church, and I said, Dee, you got to do a miracle for me, fix it. So anyhow, that's why I'm struggling here looking at my Bible. And so just bear with me here. It's not all marked up like mine. So we're Genesis 18, verse 18. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. That's God's design for every one of us in here. He goes on to say, And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Now you're talking about a legacy. This man was going to leave a legacy that all the nations, the people of the earth, will be blessed on him. Now as I read that question right there, I had to say, why? Why would Father God say this about them? Watch in verse 19. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. That word direct there actually means to train. Now I'm going to get into the word train here in a little bit more. But isn't it interesting here that God says the reason He's going to bless all the nations of the world is because He was going to direct His children in the way of the Lord. And I believe when you study Abraham's life, it, it was like one of the men said, Gary said this, that it's just not verbally, it's in my actions. What your children see, that's what they'll do. And so this is what Abraham said, you know what, I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to be a living model on how to do it. It goes on to say, they will keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I promised. Never underestimate the power of just being there. Anytime a dad is there, there's significant power. And I shared this in the first service that in the movie, I can only imagine the guy who wrote that song, that growing up, his father would never attend anything. 
his ball games. His father would never attend when he began to understand what a great singer and talent he had. I applaud you dads for being there. You're, you should be their number one support at the, at, the, at the ball games. You should be the number one when they see where they're on the court or wherever they can look up and they can see you. And I can remember my father being there. But my father was there for different reasons. Growing up, I had a hard time with losing. How many of you hate to lose? I hate to lose. I'm not a good loser. And I had a problem growing up as a ninth grader that I remember we were really good in football, but we were horrible in basketball. We were so bad, we couldn't beat a lot of girls' teams. And I tell you, when I, I got to Christmas that year, I told my dad, I'm done. I'm not playing this no more. I hated getting beat. I mean, we wouldn't get just beat. I mean, it was one of those 60 to 20 stuff. And so my dad said to me, and this was one of the examples of growing up of what he said to me. He said, here's the deal. You went out for the team, you're going to finish the season. In other words, quitting's not an option. See, that's big because when you quit in one thing, it's easier to quit the next thing. And I'd get so mad for that. But the reason my dad started going to the game, you know what he'd tell me the day of the game? He'd say, I'm going to be at your game today. And he said, after the game's over, and I think he knew we were going to lose. He said, after the game's over, if you don't go and shake the other team's hand, when you get home, it's going to be three licks. And man, when he would swat us in, I mean, he had this board that it, it would knock you over the moon. And so we would lose, and I'd get ready to not shake hands. And you know what the motivating factor was? I'd look up, and my dad would be watching. You know what my dad was teaching me? Don't be a quitter, and you're not always going to win. But stay after it. Stay after it. See, I say that to each one of you. Just stay after it. Just keep running, dads. And your presence there is significant. I want to go to another passage here. Go back to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. You know, the greatest example of love that your children can ever see is the way you love their mother. My father ex exemplified that in incredible ways. I remember he gave me and my brother astonished revelations one day. And you know what he said to me? He said, your mother is my girlfriend. And he said, before you ever was, she was. And he said, if you ever talk to your mother like that again, there'll be severe consequences. And I grew up knowing my dad had great affection for my mother. And I was around them this past week. They're 82 and 80, and they're still that way. They hold hands, and they hug, and it's wonderful to watch it. That was the example that was brought up before me. I mean, my dad modeled things that I took for granted. I don't know about you, but, but growing up in my home, before you went to school, there were certain chores you did. You weren't asked to do them. You were told to do them. And so two of my main or three of my main jobs is number one, you never even considered leaving that, that house until that bed was made. 
Well, my brother was a little older than me, so he was a little wiser. We had what you call trundle beds. When we got those trundle beds, he said, you got the top one. That bottom one's mine. Well, I didn't realize why. You know why? He never made his. He'd just kick it underneath it. And then he'd pop me on the head and say, be sure your bed's made before we go. The wisdom of an older brother. The second thing is we'd take the trash out. Not only did we take the trash out, if we took shortcuts, and what I mean by that, we didn't get them in the dumpster. Not good. Do it right and do it right the first time. Then also that we were taught to do the dishes. I say this, I'm not bragging on me, but my father, he, he did that day after day after day. To this day, the majority of the time when I did the dishes are done, I do them. I don't have a problem doing that. I have it this view. If she's going to cook and I like to eat, how many like to eat? Then get your little blessed assurance up and get in there and help. Do the dishes. Dang, you wives had a great opportunity right there to say amen. You had a great opportunity to jump in there. Preach it, pastor. Preach it. Tell them the truth. See, those were examples. Proverbs 22, verse number 6. Direct your children onto the right path. That word direct there means to train. The word train means to mold their character. It means to instruct by exercise. It means to drill to the point in an exact direction. You become the drill. You become the chisel. That when you begin to train them, so it's very easy to teach them but it's a whole other insight when you begin to train them. God's desire is that you train them. You begin to mold them and you begin to shape them. And that's what I saw Abraham doing back here. He said, I'm going to mold them. I'm going to shape them. And there's different categories of fatherhood. Different windows of opportunity. Some of you have never had a father. Man, I'd, be, I'd begin to practice right now. I begin to take in all the wisdom I can get. I'd get around godly daddies and I'd say, tell me what you're doing. Because when you have that first child, when they come whopping out onto that table, they don't have an owner's manual tagged around their neck. You figure things out. And then you begin to teach them along the way. And before long, and some of you are saying it can't happen too quick, those little blessings are out of your house. And you continue to teach them, but now it's in a different role. And it goes all the way from the womb to the tomb. As long as you're alive on this earth, you'll guide them in fatherhood. Now watch the result of training them up in the way they should go, the end of verse 6. And when they are old, they will not leave it. You keep putting the Word of God in them, and you keep telling them the Word of God, and you keep instructing them. Keep giving them the Word of God. When I saw the one area that said that the Word to, to train them up was to drill them, to shape them, there's a woman the other day that I watched as a news anchor on Fox named Harris Faulkner. She began to talk about that she was a military brat, and her, her father was a lieutenant colonel. And she said, growing up, I didn't really like it, but I was raised in a very disciplined house. That my father was just disciplined, disciplined. 
She said, I didn't value it until I left his house. And because what he drilled in me day after day after day, she said, I benefit or reap the benefits of it now. Thank God when you got daddies to discipline you. Tell you, this is what we're going to do. Another great example of discipline was one of the ladies in our church told me years ago that she would remember eating breakfast every morning. And, and on her way back to the bathroom to brush her teeth before going to school, every morning she said, I would pass the living room. And there my father would be on his knees praying. And she said, he would be praying over every one of us, my two brothers and me, the things of the kingdom of God. Not only did he pray, he did it as an example where they begin to see it. Stick with the word. Stay with the word. Isaiah 55, 11 says that the word of God shall not return void. So you stick with it and you stick with it and you stick with it. And some of you say, but pastor, my life, my home is chaotic right now. It's in crisis. It seems like my residence is the valley of the shadow of death. You know what I found out? That God has a law of attraction. And you know what the law of attraction is? Weakness. And he said, my weakness will make you strong. My, my, my strength will make you strong in every area of your life when you begin to trust us. When you begin to look at me, actually it says His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is made perfect in weakness. It's okay to look at Father God and say, Father God, I don't know what to do here. I'm in over my head. I believe every father in here, when we started out, we were that way. Me and Shelly, we got married at a young age. I was 20 and she was 17. One year later, my anniversary is June 6th. My daughter was born on June 17th. You know what happened? This guy was in over his head. When Shelly came home and told me she was pregnant, I said, what? I wouldn't let her tell anybody for three months. You know why? I thought it'd go away. <laughs> don't talk about it. Don't say anything. It's just a figure of your imagination. And she kept growing and kept growing, and she looked like an olive on a toothpick. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, help us. And when that little girl came out, I mean, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, Lord, you've got to help me. I don't know what to do. See, some of you may feel that way right now. The law of attraction is when you say, God, I don't know what to do. You do. Help me. Help us. It's just a form of surrender anytime in my life where I call out to God and say, Father God, I've got, I got to have your grace. It's okay to raise your hand and say, I'm in over my head right now. And then number two is I want to show you this one right here. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and I'll end with this. This is the second area that I believe is so significant right now within the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus. That I believe we are in a crossroads within the church. Because what happens if we don't have godly spiritual fathers within the church, they'll run to the world. That's why the decline of, of church attendance is dropping more and more and more and more. 
I want you to read this, and I believe this will, this will help some of us, especially some of us older ones in here. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, even though you may have had 10,000 instructors, he goes on to say, You have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I encourage you to imitate me. This was the Apostle Paul when he said this. Many translations will say, even though you had 10,000 instructors, you're still in need of some spiritual fathers. As I was praying about this this week, I said, Lord, you've got to raise up. You've got to raise up spiritual fathers in our church. You've got to raise up ones that when young ones are in over their head, they can look to you, they can call out to you. And when the Apostle Paul said that, you know what I believe he was saying? You can call me on my cell phone. You can text me when you don't know what to do. I've had great spiritual fathers around me before where they knew he's in over his head. And I could come and say, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you. I, I don't care where you're at today. In your walk as a father, God wants to help you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.